Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, a royalty consultant helping artists to collect on their value. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon. I work for Absolute Rights Management and I work with record labels and artists to ensure we claim the royalty income due to them. I'm Stacey Haber and I'm from Inside Baseball Music Publishing. Hi, I'm Naomi. I'm the head of Neighboring Rights at Sony Music Publishing and I'm one of the co-founders of IFR UK and I for Education US. Hi, I'm Tanya Oliveira. I work for Transparency Entertainment Group. I focus on World X USA neighboring rights on the performer side and rights holder side. Welcome back to Money in the Air, the podcast brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. We're helping you maximize your neighboring rights income. And today's episode is all about evidence, the evidence you need to prove that you deserve your neighboring rights royalties. And the reason it's important is because you're going to be asked for it. There's a conflict if anybody's never heard of you, if your registration comes way later than anybody else's. So I'm going to hand you over to my board members and co-founders and let them take them in turn. What evidence have you been asked for in the past and by which country? We need per track evidence, so proof that person's on the recording, and that can be liner notes, that can be discogs is a great source of information. The key thing is it has to be per track, so it can be a letter signed by the featured performer confirming that a specific non-featured performer was on that recording. Can I ask you about places like Discogs and Wikipedia and stuff, because whether it's user-generated content or somebody unofficial putting up content, there are often mistakes. What do you do in that case? Or how do you prove that it is verifiable? Well, I mean, Wikipedia is not necessarily accepted places, but if I wanted to prove, say, Lady Gaga is Lady Gaga, and I need to submit evidence for every single Lady Gaga track that I've recorded that she's Lady Gaga, then if I just submit a Wikipedia page saying, look, Lady Gaga is Lady Gaga. That's fine. You need to submit the evidence. Wikipedia is fine for that, especially with non-featured performers. Wikipedia, because it is user-generated, might not be accepted, or you might need to back it up with something else. You might need two pieces of evidence to confirm that what's on Wikipedia is correct. Interview with somebody who was on the track, or basically something that backs up the initial piece of evidence. It's frustrating when you can see that in the registration on the PPL database, for example, you have an artist featuring XYZ and you can see it's clearly on there and you're still asked for evidence to prove that XYZ artist is on that track. So that is frustrating because you've got it in the main title. I would understand if it's not listed on the PPL database, but when it is and it's clear and concise, then to actually go ahead and have to evidence that they featured on that track is frustrating. I'm working on one at the moment where it's going back, it's probably a good 10 or 15 years old the track I believe and the older the track the harder it is to find the evidence unfortunately we have an artist who is has done vocals on a particular track I cannot source anything on the internet normally you can as Naomi said you can do discogs or we don't use Wikipedia either because I know PPL don't like that you can find some sort of artwork something on an internet page somewhere that will evidence the contribution and that's usually accepted we can't find anything for this one so we got in touch with the producer 
and he was fantastic and he said no problem I know this guy performed vocals let me email PPL myself which he did and the claim was still rejected so I think it's a case of computer says no the, the two sides just didn't meet up I guess. So I have now contacted my representative at PPL and said, please help, please help, because we have this confirmation here from a producer on this track. Please match them up. Please take this to the disputes department and work your magic. There are an awful lot of claims to be worked on with PPL and they cannot do this research, which is why they are relying on the artist or on a representative. When we know that our artists performed on that track and all we are trying to do is get the money that is due to them, it is frustrating. The ideal now is that the record company enters the data at the time of registration, which if that works, that's brilliant. They didn't used to have to do that back in the day and we're facing the repercussions of that now. Um, so for example, GVL in Germany, every time you made a claim, you had to attach evidence, which was you know a screenshot of Discog's PDF version but they recently scrapped that which has saved a lot of time playwright in belgium there's an option to upload evidence but you don't have to if they have any doubts your account manager at the cmo will reach out to you and be like hey i just want to double check this but they actually have research teams that cross check with discogs all day every day i think that's a bit more efficient way of doing things but i've also uh, encountered similar problems to gina and Naomi and uh, I was looking after a session player that he played on a Rolling Stones hits back in the 70s and documented in his memoirs it's in several like rock and roll biographies autobiographies he hears it on the radio every day and he's like that's me playing the keyboards it's on Discogs they credited a different keyboardist and PPL they couldn't do anything the only thing we could do was go to the record label but they were quite reticent and to be fair it was like it's nearly 50 years ago it's like who do we talk to and and that's that was very frustrating because that's a lot of money being lost i would say and these things happen a lot i think with all reps can you get discogs to do the correction i mean anyone can log in and make a correction because it's a hit record what happens is ppl ring fences very high earning tracks so even if you try and claim again and then you have evidence from discogs the next time they'll be like no you know the record label says no it's, it's a hard no some tracks are ring fenced and there's nothing you can do on a per track basis we need evidence the label copy the way it happens here is is if you are a producer, you get the letter of direction signed when you do your producer agreement. So that covers your sound exchange income. However, you need to make sure that within the label copy, you're being mentioned as what non-featured musician. Are you an instrumentalist? Are you a background vocalist? Whatever it is. And then you have to make sure that you're closing the loop with the AFM at the, the tail end of it. I'm saying this because it's very difficult to retroactively go backwards and to go get the evidence that you need it's better to make sure that you have that documentation signed. signed. Right. If it's not signed, it's not going to be accepted no matter what to be eligible. So yeah, get your signed agreement, label copy, make sure that you're you're mentioned as a non-featured musician, the instrumentalist, on letter of direction to sound exchange. And the label copy has to be, like you say, on a track-by-track -track basis. They just can't put you down for the whole album. That will not work. That will be rejected. Even if you're on singing backing vocals on every song on the album, you have to be listed under every song or it's not good evidence. Just a letter from the featured artist. I mean, that happened a couple of times. I had a specific drummer that Tanya and I used to work with and there are a few different recordings where because he was close with the people that were on the recording and he was able to get a letter, one sentence, so-and-so played the drums on this recording. 
and it was signed by you know whoever the featured specifically the featured artist not the producer not you know specifically mm -hmm. you know whoever was the featured artist and, and that was accepted I think you can also get like two confirmed non-featured performers to sign on your behalf as well but they have to be confirmed in order for you to be confirmed it's easier if you can get the featured artist to to do it but obviously you know they won't always do it and asking even for that you know people sometimes feel awkward sometimes don't have that good relationship with the artist maybe don't have any relationship with the artist then the artist gets like oh my god it's going to take money away from me and and then won't do it which is you know a crappy thing but it does it does happen jaxta is good for credit but the one that is bad do not use is all music because that is only albums the amount of people that have sent me their all music page and that's not something that's useful the other thing that's not useful is that person's own page. Like if, if you're on the featured artist page, that's great. But if you've got a, your own website where you list all the stuff, PPL is just going to be like, well, it's your website. Get it in writing when you do the session agreement that the label promises to list you as a session player for X instrument or backing vocals when they register it and that they will register the rights holder side by X date, like within 30 days of release of the track. If it's in there, there's no confusion and they won't object. And it's not an awkward thing to ask for. It's not like asking for more money. It's just something they're going to do anyway. Cool. Well, thank you very much. That was fabulous. Remember to go to www.ifr.co.uk and hit that button that says join us, become a member, and you could submit your questions and we'll tell you what you need to know. Have a good week.